you have a Bible, want to make your way to 2 Timothy with me. You know, if you're here as a visitor, this, or haven't been here for a long time, this isn't typical. Come back next week. We are blessed to have Brother Bill week to week, and uh, I think we have uh, in him a very, very able teacher, someone who makes it simple, someone who does a thorough job, and so come back next week, don't make your judgment on this week, okay? That's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I would say is that the Ross family is here in force, uh, there's about 11 of them downstairs or something like that, and the Ross family is not a model of perfection. The Ross family is a model of a family on a journey. Uh, we're on our way, and our heart is to know the Lord, for Him to draw us near. But we understand we're not perfect, and we understand that. And incidentally, I taught these kids and my daughters-in-law everything they know about music. Is that right? <laughs> they chuckle because I'm not very musical. But the Lord blessed us in, in bringing into our lives, uh, first in Myrna, into my life, and then into Eric and David's life, uh, those who have musical talent, and I'm glad for that, and they, they use it for the Lord. Well, let's take just a minute and, and seek his face. Can we do that? Fathers, we spend these moments together in your word. Uh, my heart first is that everything that needs to be said would be said, and nothing more. Lord, guard us, guard me against saying those things that are contrary to your word. Uh, guard me from saying those things that might be from a personal agenda. And Lord, help us to focus on you, your word, and your intent for us this morning. And Lord, as we've watched today, we're just amazed at your goodness as we took up the Lord's table together. We're reminded of your grace, of your mercy in our lives. And you are good. And we are thankful to know you through our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and we pray that this day would honor him. Amen. I'm going to read a, a section of 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy 1. Just track with me if you have your Bible. I'll read down to you about verse 13. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God who I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember to, to uh, pray for you night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I might be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, 
who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but now has been revealed to us by the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I suffer thing, these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know who I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep which I have committed to him against that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Many years ago, probably 15 to 20 years ago, I met a man named Bob Combs. Anybody here happen to know that name? Bob Combs was a longtime pastor for 40 years or so at Grace Church in Norton. And Bob became a friend. I think that we connected first because Bob was from Breathitt County, Kentucky. Now, there's probably only two people here that would know where Breathitt County, Kentucky is. But Breathitt was an adjoining county to where we lived when we worked for the little mission down in southeastern Kentucky. We lived in Lee County, and the adjoining county was Breathitt County. And I met very few people from either of those counties. I think both have about six or 7,000 people, so you don't run into a lot of them. But Bob was from Breathitt County. And I think if we began to talk, we, we sensed a commonality. But out of that friendship that grew, uh, Bob became something to me that was unique. As I think back on those, those early days, incidentally, what I remember most about Lee County was my first trip in. They had, that was back in the day of the full-service gas station. Probably nobody here remembers that, but it used to be you pulled into a gas station, they checked oil, washed your windows, and all of those things. And we had, had been traveling, and our windows were really dirty. So I pulled into the gas station in Irving, Kentucky, next town over, and I said, would you mind washing the windows? They were about done. And so he pulled his squirt bottle out, and he squirted it all over the windshield, and he said, now turn your wipers off. That was, the, that was the wash. The second thing is I said, do you know where Babyville, Kentucky is? I wanted to make sure I was on the right route. It was getting dark. And he said, Babyville is about seven miles away. He said, I don't know. I said, yeah, Babyville, it's got to be close. I think it's on 21, whatever the route was. And he said, oh, he said, you mean Babyville. And so I just was speaking the wrong language. I learned early on that I had to learn the vernacular down there. But, but that's where Bob was from. And when I think back to our friendship, if I could describe it in a word, I would say that our friendship was one of, of a re redemptive friendship. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, Bob was always looking out for me. And he just cared about what happened to me. And when I talked to Bob, I knew I was always talking to someone who genuinely cared for my soul. There's something about that when you have those folks around you. And, and because of that, and because I trusted him, uh, Bob was able to provide me with opportunities. He always affirmed me. Sometimes he corrected me. But because I knew he cared for my soul, he could correct me. Well, it ended up, I spent time with Bob in a couple churches and helping out, and uh, was an interim in a church that, that was just a wonderful experience. But, but that redemptive relationship that I had with Bob has stuck with me. 
And I think God uses redemptive relationships in his church, don't you? God wants a church filled with redemptive relationship. And when I read through this section of 2 Timothy, I, I was impressed with how this, this man, uh, the Apostle Paul, apostle, well-known, uh, well-received, well-trained, connected to this younger man, Timothy, and, and the things that he did for Timothy in a redemptive way. So just track with me for a moment. Let's look through this and uh, pick up some of this. But I noticed the first thing as I read through that passage. Look at, at verse 5 with me. Paul talks about his relationship. Then he says, Timothy, when I remember the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in you also. Now, we don't know a lot about Timothy's background, but what when you hear that, just that little glimpse of Paul's relationship with Timmy and him, Timothy and him thinking back, what strikes you out of that? Anything in particular? What's absent out of there? What's absent? There's, it doesn't mention the father. He mentions the faith that's in his grandmother and his mother, but he doesn't mention the father. If you look at Acts 16, which we won't do for sake of time, there are just a couple phrases about his father. It says twice that he was a Greek. Here he's absent. We don't know anything about him. And filling in his place was his mother and grandmother. How many homes where the father is absent spiritually and the mom and the grandmom have to step up into that place? You know, Timothy was trained. When you look over in chapter 3, uh, just to give you an idea, Paul says, Timothy, from, from childhood you've known the scriptures that are able to make you wise to salvation. So mom and grandma did a pretty good job with Timothy of teaching him and coming alongside him. But there was something missing in his life. And that was the relationship with his father. And interestingly enough, I think, and I, I bounced an email of Bill this week and asked him for a response, but he was cowardly. He didn't respond to me. I said, how many times do you see Paul calling himself uh, father, father figure to someone? How many times does he call someone his son? And there's only a couple. Uh, he calls himself father to Onesimus in Philemon. And, and he was kind of messed up. He was a runaway slave. Paul came alongside him. He called himself that to Titus, and he calls himself that to Timothy, this young man in the picture before us. I'm not sure there are any others. You can search that out and correct me later. But I don't think there are any others. But in the absence of a father, Paul comes alongside Timothy. And, you know, there's two lessons there. Just let's pause for a second for application. First, Mom and Grandma, don't stop pouring your life into your children. Don't stop. They need you. They need to hear about Jesus from you. They need to hear about Scripture from you. And if you don't have a daughter, then look for one that you can come alongside of. Pour your life into your children. And Dad, don't be absent. Be involved in your child's life. You know, there are some personal things here this morning. My two sons are here. We have just two. And uh, I was always busy when my sons were growing up. I, I was pastoring a church. 
I was sometimes working, and sometimes I had three or four Bible studies a week in the evening. And I just wasn't around very much. And when I was, often we rode dirt bikes or something. And you know, I look back, and let me say something about them. They're not perfect. I, I didn't hear any amens. <laughs> At least their wife should have said amen to that. Huh? Right? Melissa, Charita? Somebody should have said that. They're not perfect. But you know, it's been, it's been the grace of God in their lives that He has nurtured them along sometimes in my absence. And sometimes when I was at really the lowest point of my spiritual life, and, and there, was a, there was about a 10-year period where it was tough. I just, things went to pieces. God came alongside them, and He nurtured them, and I'm grateful for that. But I was absent in many ways. I, they knew I loved them, didn't you? Didn't you know I always loved you? But I wasn't there to, I, I didn't uh, take the active role of teaching them the things of God that I should have. And I'm a pastor, for crying out loud. Shouldn't I have known that? Shouldn't I have? I never saw it. I never saw the model. And when, when Paul's writing to Timothy here, he's writing to a young man who he loves, who he has a passion for. And he's saying, Timothy, remember the things that you've learned at home. Remember these things and, and let them be a foundation to you. So I think the first thing about redemptive relationships is they start at home. Timothy, remember that faith that you learned from mom and grandma. And then the second thing is that God uses sometimes unlikely relationships. When I ran into Bob Combs, it was coming off the heels of a difficult spiritual time for me. And Bob was a busy guy. Bob was pastoring a thriving church. They were in the process of, of helping to plant another church. And he had a lot going on in his life. He had his own church to shepherd. But you know, he took an interest in me. Why? I don't know. I say it's a God thing. It's just the grace of God. He took an interest in me. Think about Paul and Timothy. Uh, why would Paul the great apostle, take an interest in this hitherto unknown young man. Why would he care? Why would he take an interest? Because it's of God. And sometimes those relationships are, are just very unlikely, very unusual. You see a glimpse of the nature of that relationship in verse 6 and 7 of what I read there. Paul writes to Timothy, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You know, the laying on of hands is an identification with that person. And it is, it is an effort to bestow grace on that person. And he said, Timothy, remember, remember now that I identified with you. That there's a connection between our souls and our spirits at the deepest level, Timothy. I remember you and I love you. And then he went on and said... For God has not given us a spirit of fear. He began to instruct him, began to teach him about how he should live his life out. So God can use an unlikely relationship. And men, I think, listen now, I think, men, it's time for us to begin looking around for young men that we can come alongside of. First, our sons and our grandchildren. You know, we're all different stations of life. And there's a phrase in here that I love. It's in four or five. You can remember this. You don't have to read it. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Right at the end of, of that verse. Fulfill your ministry. And when I read that, 
I found in it release and challenge both. Release in this sense. I'm a grandfather. And do you know, it's just not likely that I'm going to be the president of Yale in my lifetime. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to be Jonathan Edwards. I'm not going to be the greatest theological mind in the United States. Not going to happen. Not going to be Billy Graham. Not going to preach to millions or hundreds of thousands. I'm not going to be any of those things. But God didn't call me to be any of those things. And God didn't call you to be any of those things. Uh, he called me to be faithful to my ministry. To whatever he's given me. But the second part of that is, he says, fulfill it. And so, as a grandfather, uh, they can tell you I delight in these grandchildren. But I need to do more than delight in them. I need to encourage them in their walk with Christ. I need to instruct them sometimes. I need to come along. They need to know that I love the Lord Jesus, don't they? They need to see that in me. And I need to convey that to them. And so I need to fulfill my ministry. And then this morning we need to fulfill our ministries. I had worked through this before we watched Courageous last night. We had about, I don't know, 15, 16 guys here who watched Courageous. How many of you have seen Courageous? Seen it? If you haven't, you should see it. Uh, but the, if this, some of this sounds today like it's coming out of courageous, it isn't. What I've been amazed at is that in recent days, recent months, everything I pick up seems to point to men. Right, Bill? Everything I pick up, and he and I have talked about it. If I pick up a book, it's talking about family shepherds or a, a, a faith-based church, a family-based church. If I pick up another book, it's doing the same thing. It's talking about children who are already gone because of a lack of input of their fathers. And it's coming at me from every direction. Now why? Let me tell you first why. It's because of Phil Ross. Right here. That's why. Because the Lord is saying to Phil Ross, step up to the plate. Take a swing at the ball. Don't just stand there. That's an analogy for men. You know, Don't stand with the bat on the shoulder. But uh, it, the Lord's saying to me, step up, Phil. And, you know, I'm grateful to say that I've learned from my sons. I've watched them. I've watched them with their finances. I've watched them with their life. And I've learned from them. And I'm grateful for that. And the Lord's saying, Phil, step up. And you know what he's saying to you, men? Put your name in there. Step to the plate. That's what he's saying. You know, there is more in our culture right now going on to call men to their place of leadership than I've seen in my lifetime. There's a, a renewed awakening for men. And I, I don't want to be a, a, all alone in this. Bill, would you say amen to that? Okay. Uh, because we, we've, we've seen it together. We've called it out together. There's just a renewed awakening. Men, step up. Don't leave the wife and the grandmother to do the job of nurturing your children. Don't leave it there. If a man can't stop and pray with his children, if a man can't stop and share the Lord with his children, if the children can't see Christ in the Father, then we need to get on our knees before him and say, God help me. Now, you don't have to do somebody else's ministry. I may not do it as well as some of you. God calls me to my ministry. And God calls you to your ministry. Well, the point of that was that God uses relationships that are a little unusual. We need redemptive relationships with our children. I think he gives us an example of one. Let me just glean a couple things out of this section. 
Notice in, uh, in that first chapter of 2 Timothy, the, the second verse, he says, Timothy, a beloved son. How does it feel to know somebody loves you? How does it feel to somebody know, just, just loves you unconditionally? How does it feel? Is it affirming? Is it helpful? Timothy, a beloved son. And then look what he says. The blessing he bestows on Timothy. This is a blessing. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. The richest man on earth would have grace, mercy, and peace. And if he has that, there are none richer. There's nothing more valuable to have in our lives than grace, mercy, and peace. In our adult class this morning, we were talking a little about peace, among other things. But the, the, to have understand that we have peace with God and then the peace of God, there's nothing more valuable than that. Timothy, I love you. I, I want you to have the grace and the mercy and the peace of God in your life. You, do you sense that relationship? You begin to see the, the love and the passion that they had. And then he goes on and says, I want to see you. I want to spend time with you. And there's a phrase there that says, being mindful of your tears, in all probability, when, when Paul left Timothy, there was a departure there, maybe it was when Paul was arrested, we don't know that, but Timothy was tearful. He was hurt that Paul was leaving him. He felt diminished that Paul was leaving him. But you see again that relationship that they had with one another. That when one of them left, the other one hurt. Uh, that's the kind of redemptive relationship we need with one another. He went on to say, I want, to, I want you to stir up that gift. I want you to be about the work that the Lord has given you. He affirmed Timothy. He loved Timothy. He challenged Timothy. And all part of that redemptive relationships. Now, walk for a minute in Timothy's moccasins. Just think for a minute. If this man, Paul, and regardless of who the man is, he doesn't have to be the Apostle Paul. He can just be an ordinary guy. But if this ordinary guy says, listen, you know, I love you. I care for your soul. And, and I want you to be blessed of God. I want you to know the, the uh, peace of God in your life. I want you to experience the mercy and grace of God. And then if he begins to just kind of instruct you, maybe a little like Bob Combs did with me. Don't fly off the handle here. Just calm down. Just, just do what's necessary. But in, in whatever ways... You know, that redemptive relationship can change lives. It can change a young man's life. And, it, and I think it did Timothy's. Timothy profited from Paul's blessing. Don't you think? Don't you think he profited from Paul's blessing? Don't you think he profited from that redemptive relationship? Let me ask you another question. Do you think that the body of Christ profited from that redemptive relationship between Paul and Timothy. Everybody shake your head like this. Huh? Yeah. Of course he did. The, the whole body profited. Not only Timothy profited. Not only did Paul profit. The whole body profited from that relationship that they had. That redemptive relationship. We can make a difference. Can you imagine a church that's filled with redemptive relationships? And especially men to men. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine a church where men can get alongside the young men or the, the men who are just at a troubled point in their life and put their arm around them 
and embrace their soul and come alongside them in every way. Can you imagine the power of that church? You know, I, I see that in a church. I see that in this church. I see some of it already happening. But God help us to be a church of redemptive relationship. Amen? Amen. Wouldn't that be great? God, just make us a people of redemptive relationship. Two other things real quickly about this redemptive relationship. We're going to close the service a little bit unusual. I trust you'll bear with us and have patience with us. But two other things. The first thing about this one was it always focused on the person of the Lord Jesus. When you read through that text, he talks about the promise of life that's in Jesus Christ, verse 1. Uh, verse 9, he talked about him saving us uh, according to his purpose. He says in chapter 2, verse 1, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on, and time again, he's pointing him back to the Lord Jesus. Redemptive relationships need to point men to Jesus Christ. Not to ourselves. We're not building a kingdom for ourselves. We're not building a kingdom for Bill or Bill or any of you. We're building a kingdom for the Lord Jesus. We need to point them to him constantly, always point to him. The second thing about the redemptive relationships is always based on the word of God. Uh, he said, Timothy, uh, study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, right? And so he's bringing him back to the authority of the word of God, always. Pointing him to the Lord Jesus, appealing to the word of God for his authority. Well, God uses redemptive relationships, and he wants to use them in our lives. Paul said to Timothy, recorded in chapter 2, verse 2, said, the things you've heard from me, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Do you see this, the cyclical nature of that? is that we reach out to some and then they reach out to others. And so it goes on and on and on for the generations until Christ comes. That is the method of building Christ's church. It's to reaching out, having input, redemptive relationship with other people. Mom and Grandma don't quit. That's where we started. Don't quit. But men, look for opportunity. You know, you may have blown it. There may be some guys who say, I just blew it. I haven't done it. I've missed the chance. You haven't missed the chance. You haven't missed the chance. We have a redemptive God. We have a good God who wants to restore those opportunities. Uh, it may mean a little humbling of ourselves. We may have to say, you know what? I didn't do very well. I just didn't do very well. But I want to. I want to do better. And you know, I would say that to you this morning. I want to finish well. I don't know how many years the Lord has for me. I can still go out and play basketball. I don't feel very good when I finish. But I have energy. I have a fair amount of energy. And I don't anticipate uh, leaving this world tomorrow. However, we never know. But whatever time there is left, I want to finish well. How about you? I want to finish well. Whatever station of life you're in. You may be a young guy. Then you've got an opportunity to do things I could never do. But, but let's determine to finish well the Lord Jesus. And let's look for opportunities to speak words of redemption, especially men to men. That relationship cannot be replaced of men speaking words of redemption to other men. Can't replace it. Paul had to step in because 
Timothy's father was absent. I mean, let's not make a situation where somebody else has to step into our family because we're absent. 